Okay. Well, spring, it feels like it's in the air, and I told my wife the other day, Monday, it was nice to drive down our street, even though when we had that big pile of snow for forever, I kept waiting for another big one on top of it. Now I'm so glad it's gone. I'm just, it's nice to go down the street and see nothing, no black, cruddy, dirty snow. Spring's coming, so I'm glad you're here. All right, tonight we are starting really the second half. I mean, we're, we're getting... Uh, into the second half of this semester, believe it or not, uh, we'll be wrapping up in April, Mark, May 6th, I believe, is, I think that's Wednesday night, that's when they have the Pinewood Derby race with the little kids, that's always fun, hot dogs, things like that, but tonight is, and, and really the last week and this week's articles, I felt like the articles were probably the most practical articles I've read. Uh, not that they're perfect, but practical in the sense of not a system, but a personal way to think through how we can communicate our faith. And I say personal way. Last week was looking at our style. This week was personalizing how we do it. So let's start with a word of prayer. And what I'd like to do as we start tonight... Hey, come on in. They're always coming in late. I can mess with her. She'll slap me later for that one. I was going to say better late than never. No, she, she is. She is our go, go, go girl. I told her that her and Dave Pecan are making the Energizer Bunny look lazy. So they've been going and going. All right. What I'd like to do tonight, uh, I've always referred to these verses, but one thing as we start tonight in praying, I'd like to pray these verses, not necessarily pray them verbatim, but pray these very specific things for us so that we are seeing that what Paul was asking that church to do was really... What he put in that letter was, pray these things for me. So as we, you know, I have to confess, it's like driving in a car when we'd be traveling with the kids and praying. It's like, you know, I remember my youngest daughter at one point looking up, see if I had my eyes open, like, yeah, I'm driving. So yes, I will look at times as I pray, but I wanted to pray this for us tonight, that this is what God does continue to drive into us. So let's pray as we begin tonight. Our Father, tonight we are reminded as we've looked at these verses week after week of not just the passion of Paul to present the gospel, but the realization that he had that he needed the prayer support of other people and ultimately he needed you to open the door. And I would pray, Father, that you'd help each of us to do exactly what he told that that Colossian church to do, to continue steadfastly in prayer, that we would be people of prayer who don't stop praying. But, Father, help it not to simply be that we pray for a bunch of things for us or life to be better or or our days to be smoother without stress or without health problems, but help us to take up these things that Paul has said to pray that you will open a door for the Word so that we can declare this mystery of Christ that has been opened to us, our eyes have been opened to, but also that we would make it clear. And God, as you give us opportunities to do these things, help us to always be walking in wisdom so that as we are in places with those who do not know Christ, we will be alert to opportunities, wise as to how to seize those opportunities and in pursuing them for your glory. And then, Father, as we have those opportunities, help our words with one another, our words with neighbors, our words with whomever, to be seasoned with salt, gracious words, so that truly we will show that we are redeemed people from the inside out. So we thank you for this time together tonight, and we will ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Last week, we didn't, as it always goes, I I never know on a weekly basis how far we'll get, if we'll get very far, or whatever. I just, it's always a mystery. God knows. I don't know. But 
one of the things I wanted to do, and I'm just going to throw it to you to think about for a moment, and, and, and I'm going to ask us in a few minutes, uh, well, I want to get everybody settled, we're going to start with the lesson and then come back to this, but I wanted to break it into groups of uh, table groups uh, to just for a few minutes, one of the things that I felt like would be practical that they suggested that we do is not just say, all right, well, we determine which approach is more our approach, but that being said, now in 21st century life, how can I use that pro approach practically to share the gospel? Because admittedly, Paul and Peter, Peter had confrontational, Paul had intellectual. Most of us are not going to be like Paul, going into synagogues, into churches, into places of theological training or wherever to speak and correct them and show them the truth. Or like, like Peter, you're not going to be preaching to a crowd of three to 5,000 people. Um, so the question would be, and this is where we'll brainstorm, we'll struggle through it a little bit together and just see what we come up with to help each other have ideas in light of our style of how we might communicate what are some ways we can do it in 21st century life now. All right? So be thinking about that if you would. Let's jump ahead, though, and we'll come back to that. Jump ahead to where we're going tonight. Assume this works. There we go. Grasp the issue. When we look at this, if, you, if you're on page 7.1, I, I read the very first paragraph, but the first sentence in that first paragraph caught my attention, and I'll, I'll explain why. So just bear with me, follow with me if you would in that first sentence. It says one of the most impactful ways to communicate the gospel is to share the story of what God has done in our lives. Now, basic little sentence, simple sentence, uh, but... Is there anything, well, let's just, I'll throw the word impactful out there. Do you feel like your story is impactful when it comes to sharing your faith? And I don't mean like because it's the power of God and it's, a, it's the gospel. I mean, do you just personally normally feel like your testimony as you share it is impactful? That's basically just a yes or no. I'm going easy, all right? Going easy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yes, no, maybe. It depends. I think mine's yes. impactful when I talk to children because mm. I, they can relate with me, but I'm yeah. not so sure it's impactful to adults. Good, good. What were you saying, Jan? Um, I think I'm more impactful with um, with adults in that regard because um, I got saved as a teenager mm. and you know had a similar experience to a lot of people where you grow up thinking that God's going to weigh out your good and your bad and if you're good as more, you know, you'll go to heaven kind right. of thing. So a lot of people come from that perspective. Yeah, and you really. had to wrestle through that. Well, and here's, here's why I'm wrestling with this, because the question that ran through my mind was, why might we not agree with the statement? One of the most impactful ways is to share the story of what God has done in our lives. And I'm asking, why might we not agree with that? Well, my, my simple answers are just kind of three thoughts that came to my mind as I was wrestling through that first paragraph, and that is, well, oftentimes we think my life story is not impactful. It's boring. You know, I don't have this big dramatic testimony. I don't have this big dramatic story. And we've often thought in terms of that, sharing my faith means I don't have this big, I was this bad person, did all these bad things, and then God just broke me and... You know, there wasn't a light from heaven and a voice from heaven, but pretty doggone close to that, you know. And so when we look at that, we think, uh, my testimony, my sharing of my faith isn't always that impactful. Also, 
I, I think not only is we sometimes think my life story is boring, but we would think that perhaps it wouldn't impact most people. In other words, generally speaking, my, I, I just have a general story. I don't have anything that grabs people's attention. Oftentimes when we have people share their testimony, it's usually a famous person, a person who's had something happen. It's not just a regular Joe who, like if you read the article, was some of them telling their three-minute story was telling, I grew up in a Christian home, had a normal life, had normal parents, normal this, normal that, and in a dysfunctional world and dysfunctional family, that sometimes catches people's attention. So how in the world did your parents stay together, live together, and oh, you lived on one income? How in the world did they do that? And you didn't fight all the time? How did you do that? So we, we often think in terms of our testimony being impactful, well, it's boring, it's not going to generally impact most, but also, here's one of the tensions. It says, share the story of what God has done in our lives. Right? Um, if we've been safe for a lot of years, that can be a dusty story. Um, and the reason I say dusty story is my Christian life sometimes can get stale. My Christian life can get sometimes dusty. And really the outflow of our story isn't just, this is what God did in my life 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. He's still doing it now. I mean, that's where 1 Corinthians 1 says, Paul is writing to that church and says, you are being saved, which sounds a little troubling to us because we think, okay, you got saved, you're not being saved, it's not a process. Well, there is justification, sanctification is the being saved, the transformation, ultimately it's glorification, all right? So when we're, when we're wrestling with sharing our life story, and, and maybe I'm just speaking for me because I think my, I'm, I'm a boring dude. I tell my wife all the time, I'm vanilla and she's like Rocky Road. You know, it's just the way it is, you know. And, and so I, I, you know, I'm not even vanilla with the little vanilla specks in it that you get the fancy vanilla, you know. It's not like regular vanilla. Yeah, what vanilla bean, that's what it is. Yeah, specks, I don't know what it was. All right? But that's what it is, is it really isn't how dramatic can I be, but... The, the, the beauty of my testimony, sharing my story, is not just what has God done, but what has He set in motion that's still going on now. And that's what can be the beauty of where we are, where God has put us, because people are in that, that, that stage of life as well, even if they're not following Christ. Are you going to say something, Vince? Yeah, we, if, we, if we understand our roles, um, it's our job to spread, spread the truth. Mm -hmm. It's God's job to creates circumstances Absolutely. in which that, which that truth is used. Yeah, and, and as he opens the door, if we are, as this lesson was driving at, having a, and it, the word spiel, I always used to say spiel, but say spiel, all right, three-minute gig of saying it, it sounds too staged, but yet I think that they walk through some very good things about that. But here's my point again. I come back to that tension that I, as I was thinking about sharing my life story, some of us have been saved for a lot of years, and not all of us, and some of us have different stories. But the beauty of the story isn't that time, and it was so dramatic that everybody wants to hear it. Because one of the tensions that I had in China, this was a crazy tension in China. I mean, just was notorious. Everybody who shared their testimony had a miracle associated with their testimony of salvation, a miracle of healing, something. I mean, when we were going to the island for the training there, when, when we had it there in China, whenever you get people together and they share their stories, there's always some story of 
because this happened, this is how I got saved. Now, I don't doubt it. I, I'm not in a position to say, well, that didn't really happen. But for them, it's almost like if you didn't have something dramatic to say, don't share your testimony because there was nothing exciting to say. And certainly that's not the case. The excitement, the beauty, the glory of it is not what were the circumstances at that moment. The beauty is what God set in motion when he opened my eyes and what he's still doing today. That's my story. And compressing that into three minutes, yeah, it's a little tough, but if we think through it, that's where the challenge is in this lesson is mastering our salvation story so that we are ready to give an answer. Because it hit my... You know, right here when they said, have you had those times where you had the opportunity and you muffed it up or you didn't jump because you thought, how do I start this? Where do I go with this? And so we just didn't do anything. And we walked away going, I blew it. But we didn't do anything about it, and that's where the challenge is tonight. So grasping the issue as we're, as we're trying to walk through this, the key questions are, are the things we've already uh, or what we're talking about, but here's what I would say in those key questions, that first one, how can we use our own experience of God's love to share the gospel with others? And in that question, I say our own experience of God's love, both past and present. I mean, that's what I circled in mind. Our experience of God's love isn't just the point of salvation. It's as He is unpacking our heart for many years as believers, what he's unpacking and showing us is the mess we are, and yet he still loves us. Um, that, that's why you get somebody like a John Bunyan, who the last thing he ever wrote was still very, very convicting. Matter of fact, the last thing he wrote was, was printed after, after he passed away. But it was very convicting, and he had almost, as people would think, a very negative view of himself sinfully, but yet, the more we see ourselves in relation to God and God's grace, then we start to have the same experience that Isaiah said. That is, I see the holiness of God, and suddenly I'm, I'm undone. I, I am a mess. But the beauty of God's love is the more he shows how undone we are and what a mess we are, the more he's showing us, but I've loved you all along. I showed you through Calvary that I loved you, but now I'm still showing you that. So that's our life story. I mean, that's, that's what we get to share. Now, down in the sound bites, I asked you with the sound bites, first and fifth statements, and just, just getting your thoughts on this, and we're going to move through sound bites quickly and then come back to what we said earlier. I became a believer when I was young, so I really didn't have much of a story to share. I've thought that for years growing up. Because I got saved that I, last week, I told you, on, on a Sunday night when I was six years old, the man that I remember talking with on a Sunday night, I still remember it. I still remember my first grade teacher. Oh, this is really, really aging me. Intercity Baptist Schools started in 1966. So I went to kindergarten at a public school. But first grade, I was in, it was in 1966. So I started first grade all the way through 12th grade, but started in 1966. Some of you, I don't know if you remember Ross and Alice Ritchie. Alice Ritchie was my first grade teacher. Ross was my senior teacher, Bible teacher. But I remember, I still remember, the day after I trusted Christ on a Sunday night, she asked this little blonde-haired kid on a Monday morning, hey, how I heard some, something happen in your life? Which, I'm like, at first I started thinking, how did she even know this? How do teachers know these things? But I, I remember sharing the next day in school uh, with my classmates that I trusted Christ. So I remember that. But obviously, uh, I have always been a work in progress, as we all are. You know, hopefully a work in progress. That's what God wants. 
but I've often thought, well, up till about six years of age, I wasn't doing a whole lot of really evil things, you know. I, I wasn't out there hitting the bars, you know, maybe candy bars, but that's about it, you know. <laughs> but but my point is, that's what we think. We think, all right, if there wasn't anything really bad to talk about, then we don't have anything to talk about. But more of what I have to talk about is what has happened from, from the 1966 to the present, you know. What has God been doing? That really is my story, and it's still being written. It's being written by God in our love. So we might say, number five, my story is just too boring to share. I don't think my friends would be interested. So am I the only one in the room that's ever thought this, or have you thought that about yourself? Like, I, you know, people don't want to hear what my story is. So I'm seeing a couple of yeses and, and maybe some of the nods are people already fading in class. <laughs> but, you know, the, the nice thing is, you know, what this lesson is doing, hopefully, is driving us to think through not how can I make it slick, how can I make it so that people just want to hear my story. Because my story isn't my story. My story is the story of Christ through me. So we don't want it to be. Uh, my brother-in-law used to have, I think I told you this, used to have this picture of him and his long hair. He used to use that to show this is what God saved him from. But then eventually he's like, I don't want to show them that because I don't want them to focus on that. I don't want to focus on what God has done and continues to do in my life now. So that's where for us, what is God doing is a part of the glory of the gospel as we share it with other folk. So... What's the central question or issue? I throw this before you. This is what I put down. I've been trying to personalize it more. I need to be prepared to clearly and personally share my salvation story. And that is, we've said from Colossians chapter 4, praying that God would give opportunities, that we would make it clear. But, and I was almost going to put it in. I knew we wouldn't have time. But I remember reading it. I Googled it. Sure enough, popped up a bunch of stuff. Winston Churchill was incredibly used, I almost said by God, incredibly used during World War II to help rally the British troops and was a central part of World War II. But he was known for having <coughs> the best prepared impromptu speeches in the world. Uh, and, and if you think through what I just said, prepared impromptu speeches, all right? Which is an oxymoron, paradox, whatever you want to call it, all right? But he, he seemed to have these impromptu speeches, but he'd been rehearsing the daylights out of these things because he knew that he needed to be prepared for such a time as this. Well, in a sense, in a sense that's what we're doing. We are preparing what we know we need to speak, but we're not doing it just to say, I, I got this canned speech, I hope you listen to it, and then buy the vacuum when you're done. Um, that's not what we're trying to do. This is a, a living story of our life. So my challenge for me looking at this lesson is, all right, highlight, underline it for me, prepare to clearly and personally. Because as I thought through this lesson and I saw the practical things in the article, uh, your story, um, I thought this is really, really helpful things. And yet we will say, here's what will happen. I'll just confess for all of us. We will say, yeah, I need to do that. And then we'll get through this lesson, we'll move on to the next lesson, and we'll get all done. And then we'll have an opportunity, uh, maybe to share the gospel. And it's just one of those popcorn ones that just happens. And then we're going to go fumble, fumble, fumble. And we're going to remember this night and go, you know what? I wish I would have taken just a few minutes, half an hour, cut out some stupid TV show, wait till after March Madness to do it, maybe. That's what I see for the guys who are listening. All right. But... You know, that's where we are being prepared to do this because 
First Peter 3 is talking about that. We're ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. That's what we're looking at. Now, that being said, there was only one scripture for this week, and yet it was a lengthy one. Acts chapter 26, Paul's testimony. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do, and the questions that are there, there were two questions, and I'm going to ask you to do something that I did. I went through this going, all right, I asked the question, or they asked the question, but I added a twist to it in my mind as I wrestled through it. The first question on page 7.3 about these scriptures, and I'm going to read, were what particular things did Paul highlight as he shared his story? I changed that to, and this is what I want you to think about. Maybe you can write this in your notebook or whatever. Same sentence, same question, but what particular things did Paul highlight as he shared his story that we don't have in common with him? Okay, Because if we look at what he shared, there's a ton of stuff we didn't have in common with him. All right? So, I'm going to read these scriptures. We're not going to read uh, through them twice, just the one time so we have the context of it. And see if you can circle, highlight, put a star by it, anything that is part of Paul's testimony that we don't have in common. Then we're going to look at the things we, we need to have in common, all right, when we look at our story. It says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. And Paul gets a great opportunity to stand before a king, stand before others, and share his faith. He says this, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as, my, as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I've lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest, strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? Now let me pause in this testimony. Anything in those first two paragraphs that were part of his testimony that would not that have not been and most likely will not be a part of our experience and testimony. Uh, he's standing before a king. Okay. Right off the bat. He's standing before the king. That's us before Obama. Alright? It's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. That's not a part of our testimony. We're not going to have high-ranking people to speak to. We're going to be with the hoi polloi. You know, we're going to be with the regular folk. Is where our life is going to be. What else in there that was true of him that may not be, most likely will not be true of us? Christ revealed himself to him directly. Okay. You're, you're cheating because you're jumping ahead when we get to that part. You see, you're cheating. Let's go. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. Absolutely, Phyllis. So you read my mind before we got to that part, but absolutely. What else in those first two paragraphs? Anything else that stands out? He was raised out? as a Pharisee. Okay, he was raised as a Pharisee. Strictest sect, and if, and we know part of the backstory, so we're, we're cheating a little bit. He was incredibly well-educated theologically, all right? So he was basically, you know, he had the MDiv, THM, THD. He had it all, and then some, all right? So he had an, a theological education that we don't have. What else? There's one other thing that stands out in the two paragraphs. Go ahead, anything. Well, I had two left, and so now I'm like, well, which one are you? Well, at least one more. I could have missed one, so give me one. Okay. Um, he mentions the Jews all know the, know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. Um, and 
a lot of times when you're talking with someone and you're sharing your story, uh, the person who's confronting you about your faith doesn't know all of your past history. Yeah, and you know, and I didn't catch that, and that's a great one because he had he had a he had a public reputation in Jerusalem that was known by his whole city. They all knew who he was. They knew his credentials. They knew his creed. They knew everything about him. All right. One more. Go ahead, Jenny. Go ahead. He's on trial. Okay. On specific trial. All right. So we've got in that first couple of paragraphs in his testimony things that aren't aren't going to happen to us. Uh, we're not going to be before president. We're probably not going to be before a trial where we get to share our faith or things like that. We're not going to have the theological education, and we're not going to have the whole community of Allen Park, Trenton, Woodhaven to just know this is the kind of religious person this guy or this lady is. All right, let's move on with this testimony. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to raise to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I ask, who are you, Lord? Now let me pause there. All right, Phyllis already gave us one. He had the experience that, I mean, whenever somebody starts a sentence with, I saw Jesus, and he said X, or Jesus told me this, or God told me this, I'm already cringing because whatever is going to come next is probably not going to be biblical and you know there's going to be problems. But Paul could say in his testimony, um, I did. I mean, the, the turning point was an audible voice from heaven, Jesus himself speaking directly to Paul. That's not going to be our experience. And, and, I, and I'll say that again, that's not going to be our experience. And if somebody tells you that is their experience, um, we have finished revelation. Whenever somebody starts saying God has said this, they've got to understand very clearly they are adding to God's word. All right. Whenever somebody says God said X and fill in whatever X and Y and Z could be, that's a dangerous statement. Totally rabbit trail. Back to this. What else? What else uh, stands out here that is not true of us? Would never be true of us. Yeah. He puts people in jail. Oh, absolutely. Yeah puts him in jail. Not only does he stand in trial, he puts him in jail and take it a step further, which I know you're all thinking, and when they're going to be put to death, he's given the word against them. I mean, he is one of the witnesses against them. So again, I'm, I'm belaboring this, and I'm going to jump ahead in this. I'm belaboring this because when we read his testimony and what he shared, this is where I go back to boring vanilla Hal sharing his testimony. I don't have that stuff. I don't have a story like that. And Paul was not trumping up a story. That was This is exactly what happened. And to this point before Agrippa, from the time in Damascus to before Agrippa, Paul had had the daylights beat out of him. Stone. All kinds of things from that point to this point. So it was a rough ride. It was a really bad ride. Coming up to Acts chapter 26. Finally, I'll just jump ahead. 
in verse 21 over on the next page as he's sharing his testimony. Verse 21 says, This is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. All right? That's not going to happen to us as far as I know in our lifetime. It could. You know, we, we watch in my lifetime, I watch that not only is there the people that oppose religion, but now religious people like us who would take a position, say, against, for example, homosexual mindset concerning it used to be what's called an alternative lifestyle. All right, that was that was the transitional phrase to where it goes today. All right, but now there is such a push that we are the extreme right. We are the ridiculous people. We are the radical right, whatever you want to call it. So that could happen to us, but most likely it's not. But there are plenty of people that is their testimony. Now, I say that because again, here's what the second question is. What are the crucial parts of Paul's story of salvation? What components of Paul's story do we need to include in our stories? I can't include that. Let me throw these questions up there. I can't include in there that I've stood before famous people and shared my faith. I can't include in there that I've, I've heard a voice, and that's how I trusted Christ. I can't include in there that I had all this religious teaching, but God had to open my eyes that I didn't have the right answers. I can't include any of that. But there are some things that Paul has included that are at the heart of what needs to be in our story. Okay? Now, I'm throwing it out there for you that are are able to do the, the homework. I know not everybody is able to do that. Anybody have some of those answers for that second question? What are some things that are in Paul's story so we don't have to go back and reread everything? There are certain sections weaved in here in Paul's testimony that need to be weaved in our story. What are some of those things? This is sort of general. It's not specific. But I just put that throughout the whole thing, he kept the focus on Christ. It wasn't so centered. I mean, it was because it's his story, but the focus mm-hmm. and the ultimate goal was Christ. Absolutely. Because as you see, he's building, 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 and then you get to verse 15. Then he asks, Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. That opens the door for what he says then in verses 18, well, just verse 18. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you to do this. Open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. They're going to receive forgiveness of sins and placed among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So, yes, however our story goes, if at the end of the day, I mean, here's, here's the danger of our story, if I can put it this way. If our three-minute story that we write up if people walk away from our story and they remember our life's details more than Jesus Christ, we need to rewrite that story. Um, that's, that's where we can find that we've heard. Now, you say, well, how do we find that out? Well, obviously we can try it with other people. We can practice on other people. But that's just a, a think it through exactly what Jamie brought out. Jesus, he's saying, here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus did. But here's the mission. Here's what was at the heart of why I'm out here, why I'm talking to you right now. Anything else? Anything else that was included? Because there's there is the mission. I am Jesus, and here's what I'm going to have you go do. Verse 22, where he talks about how he's had God's help for this very day, and he's there to testify to the, the great and small alike. Good, excellent. We get to that last part. He's talking about the message, and he's talking about repenting and turning to God. But Paul is saying this isn't just for an elite group of people. I'm out there for all people. My story is for everybody. Even if I don't have the income or if I don't have the background, I don't have the education, 
Peter was used as a fisherman, an unlearned fisherman, to reach 3,000 people with his brash personality. If you come to the uh, Living Last Supper Saturday night and Sunday, you'll get to see Peter and, and part of him living out that, that brash personality. And that's who he was. Anything else? I mean, and the reason I'm, I'm asking this is because the reason they're asking this, the reason I'm kind of just circling back around it is we often think, <clears throat> I've said this enough times, you're probably sick of it, thought of plans, but here's where we jump into, and this will be in next week's lesson, we've often thought in terms of the Romans road. Okay, now I have my story, and I just weave in the Romans road in there. Romans 3, 9, and 10, Romans 3, 23, Romans 5, 8, Romans 6, 23, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and then we're landing the plane on Romans 10, 13. You know, we've done it. And we've weaved it in. Now, that's not. there's nothing wrong with that. I, that's, that's not my point. But my point is that's how we've only always thought. And, and I, they give some really dynamic ideas of how to pick a verse, perhaps, in our life that God is still using today that's an outgrowth of what he started at salvation rather than just, okay, I tell a few details about my life and I start ratcheting through these Romans Road verses. Those verses are powerful. They've been used by God many, many times to reach people with the gospel. But think through in terms of, for example, Romans 5.8. Again, I go back to what I said earlier tonight. The glory of God's love for you and me, I think more and more over time, we come to see it in a way that we didn't see when we first got saved. Maybe we did because we were an adult and we understood how bad we were. But the longer we live... If we are growing and becoming like Christ, changing, the more we're realizing what a bad person I really am, but what what amazing love God has for me. Because he's saying, you know, I've always known that about you, but I've always loved you. You're just finding that out now, but that doesn't change my love for you. It's still the same. So when I think of it, maybe I just camp out of Romans 5.8 and build from there. So I'm saying, just so we don't think in terms of my life, plug in the Romans road, there we go. Paul weaved in statements about what God did and was doing in and through his life. That's what he weaved in. All right, now, pause this right here because this is where it's like halfway mark. I go back. Let me just do this. This will make it easier to do this. Brainstorm. And you're like, dude, I can't even get a sprinkle out of my brain right now. Brainstorm ain't going to work. All right. And, and some of you will not like me because you'll get stuck with one. You'll say, that one's too hard. All right, one, two, three, four, five tables. Why don't I ask, just for sake of conversation, can you two guys, Phil and Jamie, just hop over with uh, Dana and Betty so you got more than just two and two? Um, and we've got one, two, three, four. So I'm going to give you guys the hardest ones. Okay. She's smart. Yeah, that's the hardest ones. Number one and two on here. What are some ways that you can think of in a confrontational approach or an intellectual approach, if somebody's personality is presenting the gospel that way, what are some practical ways that they could do that? Uh, what are some contexts, some events, some situations that maybe they hadn't thought of that in light of who they are as that, they could do that? All right, so we'll take a few minutes, maybe five minutes. You guys over here, would you take number three, a testimony? And I'll admit... These are probably the easiest ones. Uh, testimony, interpersonal, invitational. Invitational, I'm almost not even going to give you that one. All 
all right? Because it's kind of like, oh, we have church events that are outreach events, invite them. Okay, well, let's just skip that, all right? But for you on the second table, you ladies, if you would tell us testimony, all right? Where are, how are opportunities that I can share my testimony, like the blind man did, in different contexts? That doesn't mean awkward ones, ones that could naturally flow out of community events, neighborhood things, relational things, whatever, all right? This group right here, uh, Matthew's interpersonal, the interpersonal approach. So the sisters and brother Vince, all right? You guys, if you could just think of interpersonal, and that was building relationships. So you're relationally with people. What are some contexts and ways you can do that to be able to share the gospel? And then finally, you guys over here, you get the last one, service. And that is, all right, Dorcas was known for making things, doing things, but what are ways that we can practically do service um, in order to have a bridge, a platform from the gospel, all right? So take three, four, five minutes. If you would, jot these down, because I'm going to take all these when we're done, type them and resend them back to you. I'll give them to you. So could one of you be the secretary to write these down, all right? Whoever looks most tired, give that job to them.
Okay, 
And, and this is what I'd like you to do. Uh, just, just share with us for your any suggestions for confrontational intellectual approach. What I'm going to do, you don't have to write these down. I'm going to just take the list that everybody gives, I'll put them together, and then I'll, I'll print it out to give to you next week. So whatever one you happen to be, hopefully you can take something back with you. But any suggestions you guys have? Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of times people go on social media and try to like rail against Christians. Being confrontational and intellectual in that setting is a, is very effective. And not only is it good to that person, but everybody else who is reading that feed gets to see that as well. And instead follow of, the logic. Yeah, they get to follow the logic, which is you know you, you just put it out there in a, in a logical way. But then it's the good hounds. Well, that's all right. I mean, but, but what, yeah, it's good. But you're being assertive. But, I mean, you put it this way: you're being assertive in a Christian way, and that is, they're in nasty takedown mode. Like, yeah. I heard this. I won't yeah. say who said this, but her initials are JJ. Said something about jerk atheist. Yeah. <laughs> but but it is, and and one of those jerk atheists uh, goes to our church. Suddenly, got really. <laughs> really? Well, it, no, Car Carl Anthony. That was his story before he trusted yeah. Christ. He was that. He was that jerk atheist in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, North Dakota, wherever Sioux Falls is. All right, and he railed on Christians, and he 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 was you know verbally takedown. So yeah, that's where you get an opportunity to interact. But obviously, how we do it could make us look just like them. You know, I mean, we at the end of the day, it isn't winning the argument. It's Turning them to the truth. Yeah, so great. Yeah, what else? What other ideas? <laughs> Pass. Right. That was one. Let's go over here and you guys keep thinking. You guys were uh, testimonial, right? Intellectual? Did you, any, any? Well, well, they kind of get combined. Okay. You can combine them there. A lot of times, I mean, that's how you. If you're going to be confrontational, you really should be intellectual with it too, because if you don't have the logic behind you, you just look like a jerk. Right. So Can you can any of you think of any other context where intellectual or confrontational could be played out? The night I got saved it was a confrontational question posed to me that I wasn't ready for, but boom, it hit me. And and I was just asked plainly, if you were to die tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? So is this somebody coming, to your, somebody coming to your door, or no? It was uh, you know, my sister invited me to an evangelistic gotcha. meeting. Okay. Pastor asked me when my brother-in-law was going to get the car. So. All right. So that one started invitational, went confrontational. All right. All right. Just about yes. confrontation, just about anybody that you're really close with, and you kind of think that they're not following God, like they really aren't kind of a believer, and you kind of just be like. Yeah, and see, here's the problem with the word confrontational. We think of confrontational. Somebody's doing something wrong, so we're just letting them have it. It's more like, I would say, that probably the better we'd be, like, more direct approach rather than backdoor or sliding it in easy. We're just, I'm laying on the table. It's who I am. It's what I think. Here's what it is, you know? Um, I don't know if it's confrontational or intellectual or, or both, but there are times when people who, like, claim to be Christian, they say something... And it's completely wrong. Mm -hmm. That's a great time to be like, um, yeah. Well, actually, and then you know, I mean, you kind of look like the insufferable know-it-all, but at the same time, it's you're correcting them. You yeah, correct them. Yeah, very good. I had All a right. guy at my office that was like told the HR lady that 
my Bible offended him like on Wednesdays mm-hmm. when I bring it with me on my desk. Mm-hmm. And so he would tell me that. I was like, I was like, dude, why, what was the point of that? Like he's like, what? This ticks me off. He didn't say ticks me off, but. Like, <laughs> he revival here. He's like, you know, religious people are just such sheep. Man, you guys believe anything? I was like, all right, well, let's tell me why you think that. I was like, well, look, and I'll tell you why. You know where I'm coming from. Yeah. And like, it really helped because we talked like all during lunch about like my background and like like the Bible and stuff like that and he had like we had so much more respect for each other because I could see where he was coming from too he came from a really bad situation in his church growing up that his parents forced him to go to and it was like a total train wreck and so I could see why he hated the idea of it so much and it opened a lot of doors for us to talk and he was like this farthest he's like kind of like a transgender guy you know like a real like as farthest from like what I was used to than anything that I had ever experienced and it and it, I mean, he was married, but it was just a weird situation. They were cool with it, whatever. But it was the farthest thing for me that I can remember. And we, I never thought I would even have a conversation with him. So he was so odd. But it helped us, <laughs> it helped us like, get along and function at work, first of all. And then second of all, it helped him, like, not think of me as just this, like, religious sheep that would just believe whatever mm-hmm. somebody told me in church on Sunday. And, and you see, what happened there, again, same thing happened. It started with direct direct wasn't the only thing. He went from direct, in a sense, to testimonial. He listened to your story, you listened to his story. Yeah, right. From there, uh, you're able to share the gospel. And so that's why when we when we look at these approaches, um, what was it was saying? That their style is... Somebody said invitationals. Oh, oh, that was Janice. Janice Miller was saying... Yeah. I'm invitational, I invite people, but it always fails. And I was like, well, remember, the, po- the point is not this guarantees success. The point is that's just who you are. That's really your natural foot in the door. Your natural foot in the door might be willing to say, hey, but, and to push back, but then you also have the ability that once you push that door open to share your story and listen to their story. You know, if we come and push the door open and just like, wah, you know, uh, we've, we've seen enough of these lessons to know listening is a big part of sharing the gospel. We assume they got to listen to us. You know, we want to create a sense of I really care about you. All right. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping all over the place on stuff. What what are you guys? That's have? where the interpersonal personal mm-hmm. comes in. And you were talking about how you you didn't just make assumptions about what this person said. You asked them, you know, tell me more. Explain to me why you feel that way. This. You know, inviting them to um, to speak their mind and then being willing to sit back and shut up and let them just say what's on their mind. Sometimes for someone, that's just such a breath of fresh air and such a relief that um, that they respond by just being honest with you about what's going on with them. And, it could be something entirely different than what you expected. Yeah, and we may not be assertive, confrontational in our nature. But sometimes just that little pushback and then stepping back and listening to what comes out respectfully. Not like push, let them say it, and it's like, let me just shoot down all the things you just said. If we do that, we're done. All right. But if we are pushing and then letting what Jesus said in Luke 6, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know what's in a person's heart, but get them talking, then I start finding out the mess their life is. And we might find in that mess, there's a common thing in there. Now, hopefully, 
you know, some of the things you just shared, uh, Phil, maybe not. So, yeah. right? But there will be. I mean, it's like hearing Val over here sharing part of her story. You know, part of her story. You know, just in the closet, reading books when she said when she was young, hiding in her. And I, I never would guess that in her personality today. But she might, in talking with somebody, get to know them, and they just think, you know, she's outgoing, she's never been shy, she never was a shy person. But that's part of her story. That's part of what God has done in her life and changed her in the way that he has, you know. All right, very good. Um, anything else, just giving an idea of you guys were interpersonal? Any well, specific things? Enter is the key. Enter okay. means exchange. Okay. And and that's what, what interpersonal is. It's like being being willing, uh, sensitive to where the person you're speaking to is at. Mm-hmm. Listening, not not just hearing them, but really listening mm-hmm. to what they have to say and evaluating, um, paying attention, um, looking for um, clues to be able to minister to them mm-hmm. in some way. Okay. Um, basing all our input on scriptural truth. Okay. Good. Finally, you guys over here. Um, Service. We just kind of made a, a list of things you could do. Good. Um, we just thought about maybe driving people to church. Sometimes that's a big thing they need mm-hmm. to end serving them. Um, people who want to go but just don't mm-hmm. um, Making meals for maybe your neighbors or your friends who are sick. Um, yard work, like neighbors, if you see them outside, maybe jumping in and helping out, talking. Um, also, like if people are gone, your neighbors are perhaps people you've met, just like watching out for their house. We have neighbors who've done that for us, and I actually don't know if they're believers, but sometimes I wonder because they're so nice thing to do us. Um, also, just like bringing neighbors' kids to church and um, or just offering that sort of thing. Um, babysitting for people. A lot of these are kid-oriented, sorry. <laughs> um, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's where my point was and, and again, I, I always have to abbreviate everything because it's just like six minutes going, you're kidding me. All right? But the reality is this. It's, it's where if we just go, okay, this is my sharing style, and now we're talking about our story, oftentimes we are not alert to just really simple ways that we could be stepping into people's lives. Uh, Jamie shared that story from a couple weeks ago at the library. That was just a practical, that's a kind of way. What can I find a way to get into interpersonal relationships with people outside of my circle, outside of my regular routine? How can I do that, you know? And each of us are different. Honestly, there may be somebody who goes, I love fishing, but I don't have any fishing buddies. All right, I remember going down to, is it Bishop, not Bishop Park? What is the park by Wyandotte Hospital? That's Bishop Park? Oh, I'm thinking of Elizabeth Park. It's way down there. Yeah, Bishop Park. I can remember fishing when I was in junior high. Me and my buddies would ride our bikes down there and go fishing, you know. And, and I remember you got people down there. Well, if you're fishing, why not do something you enjoy and go fish next to people you don't even know who they are? Because invariably, if you've ever been around fishing people, they talk. And they don't just talk about the big one that got away. They talk about life, you know. They, they talk. So even thinking in terms of practically speaking, something that I might enjoy that... I mean, that doesn't mean that sharing the gospel means I do it in a miserable way. You know, I, I got to go door to door when it's 96 degrees outside, and then I've done a good thing for God. Find ways that might be. Like, for example, Jean, every Friday, she's over at So What, and that's a place. So What is in Wyandotte, on Biddle, Jefferson, whatever it is over there. 
and, and she likes to hang out with the sewing ladies, and they sew. I have no idea what they do in there. It looks scary in there, all right? But that's something she does, but that's a relational thing that in the midst of that, there's opportunities to talk, and she loves it. Obviously, you can tell if you've seen what's going on here. She digs that stuff. I haven't been there on Friday in a while. Yeah, she's kind of been here like every day. We've got a cop here for her, all right? But that's what I say. Even that thinking practically in terms of things that I enjoy doing that I don't necessarily have to just do with my Christian friends, there may be ways to do that with other people. All right? How can I do that? All right? Now, because we're running out of time, I, I just simply, with, with the article, this article, I knew a couple things were a problem. The art one had a problem. It was a long article. One scripture, long scripture, great scripture, because of Paul's testimony. The article was fairly long, but very, very practical. All right? if, I, if you can take away a couple things, one big takeaway is, how did they frame the three-minute testimony? And that's a great way to frame the three-minute testimony. What is it? How do they frame it? You how do like they frame it? The three, the three components, the, yeah. Life before salvation, how you met Christ, and life after salvation. Okay. And, and give me the shortest version of how they said that. B.C.? A.D. Zero. Oh. And zero. Zero. Right. In my mind, I go B.C. Zero A.D. All right. And the whole point was before Christ... Before you came to Christ, that's part of your story. Zero is when you trusted Christ. A.D. is in the year of our Lord. It's a continuing work of God in your life. So, you know, the wonderful thing about that is it gives us a framework that we don't have to think, all right, and, and I remember this. I remember, again, studying some, uh, having some um, evangelism courses, and we had to learn certain phrases, certain paragraphs, certain transition par- statements into the next paragraph, and, and honestly, you start thinking, and then when you get to the person, you get stage fright. And then you're forgetting your lines, and now you're just fumbling through everything. But having a really simple framework of BC, 0, AD, and then you're weaving in your story, that's, that's dynamic. Now, if you would, go to page 7.5. All right? 7.5. Uh, I'm sorry, go to 7.4, right across the page. I just hit this. And then I, I walk to two more things, and we'll, we'll land the plane tonight. On page 7.4, right column, you see the, the, the text box there. To the bottom right corner of that text box, there's a paragraph that says, if you are convinced that being a Christian is the best way to live. You see that sentence? Mm-hmm. All right, everybody there? All right, here's what the last sentence says. I'm sorry, next to last sentence says in that paragraph. If you are passionate about your relationship with God, your story will be so infectious that it will cause others to want the same thing. I don't think there's any more important statement in this whole article than that statement right there. It's not just, how do I frame it? What do I weave in? How do I make it so that people want to come back and hear it again? That's not it. What's going to make our testimony be what it ought to be is we have a relationship with God that's an ever-increasing, growing, passionate relationship. And we've already, and I was going to take time to look there, went back in the lessons to see where we've looked at it, but back in our first lesson and our fifth lesson, it hit that same idea, and that is what fuels our sharing of our faith isn't a plan, a system, the right words, it's our relationship with God. If that goes stale, it doesn't matter how well we prep our little three-minute B.C. 0 A.D., it's, it's going to be like a flat, it's like opening a bottle of pop, and then a week later, you go to drink it, and it's flat. It's like, ugh, you know, I don't want to drink that. Same thing. So I would say, I would say, that's my phone in my pocket. 
I would say if you don't forget, if you don't forget anything, don't forget that statement in there. But then one other thing I would go to as we as we land tonight, go over to page seven dot eight. There on the left column you have the BC zero and AD. That's kind of the simple format. But then it says examples of themes for your personal testimony. I would encourage you sometime, I did this myself as I read through it, you know, it's like, what are things that I could weave in? There may be a lot of things on there that aren't a part of our life. You know, we haven't had addictions or bulimia or um, dysfunctional, well, we all have that. Um, <laughs> personal successes, whatever, right? Throw some basic ones on there. Things like worry, fear, health, anger. Those are just basic things of life. I mean, that's a nerve that hits everybody at some point. So I say those basic. What else can we add in there that can be a part of our story? And part of why we are people who fear, but we're not overcome by fear. And we're people that no longer fear death, but we have a new fear. It's a fear of God. And so we haven't just gotten rid of fear. We have fear changed. And we don't worry, but we can have concerns about somebody, as Paul did, concerns for the church, concern for people in their need of faith in Christ. So I just say to think through this, it was a, a lengthy article, but an incredibly practical article in the sense of last week we looked at our style, now we put together our story. And I would encourage it. I didn't press it because I knew that we're busy people. But I hope that we don't have that moment somewhere down the road and go, you know what, I wish I would have done it because now I just muffed it up. If you think about it, look at section 7.4 or 7.6 to, to the end of the article. That really helps plug in uh, the key components of our three-minute testimony. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do thank you for your incredible love to us that while we were sinners... Christ died for us. We know this. Uh, probably most of us can quote that verse or portions of it, but at the same time, we often lose the wonder of it. Help us not to, but help us instead to be amazed every day at your love for us. Thank you for this time, for giving us strength to get through the evening. Uh, please give each person safety as they go to their home. In Christ's name.